Welcome to the Sharpway Show on a special show, I think. It is uh, MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I was thinking, should this be a day off, right? For many people, this is a day off. Not everybody, for many people it is. But I thought maybe I should just kind of take the day off and chill and not do a show. And then I thought, no, I wanted to. And I wanted to for a couple of reasons. One of them was that when most people think about MLK, they tend to think only about his issues on race, which in today's world, the way things are happening, coming to to front, I'm sure. But I don't only want to think about that. I think the question I wanted to have, and I think it's an interesting point, and something that we should be thinking about, someone who was shot literally 50 years ago, killed 50 years ago, was he right? Is he someone we should be thinking about going, man, that guy was in the money. And then when people do what they always do, which is quote him in some way and say, say, see, I support him, which is very often virtual signaling, but not bad necessarily. I mean, I, I hoped, I hope that most Americans see ML, MLK as the national treasure that he was. I hope we, we see that. Um, as as Indians see Gandhi as their national treasure, as they should. Now, I know when I bring that up, many people go, well, he did this bad thing or that bad thing. Gandhi did bad things, too. So did MLK. So what? They're human beings. They made mistakes. And you're not perfect either, neither am I. But still, when you compare them to their peer group, when you compare them to what they achieved, compare, uh, when you think about where they came from, I mean, it's pretty amazing. They're national treasures in both cases. So and and the reason why I bring up Gandhi is because MLK modeled himself in many ways off of Gandhi in many ways. So I think if you look at that, do we see them as national treasures? And I think we should with with their human flaws that both of them had that we all have. I still think the national treasures. But when most people think about MLK, they think about the one or two speeches, either his I have a dream speech or his mountaintop speech. Those are the two that most people think of. I don't want to go down that road. I don't. I want to go down his Vietnam road. Yes, MLK, I'm going down Vietnam. And because I think it is valuable and important, and it shows a very important thing. It shows how, in many cases, man, we don't learn. We don't learn. If you think it's going to be a good one, it is. Do me a favor right now, hit that like button. Because you love me, so hit that like button. And if you hate me, hit the dislike button. I don't care what button you hit. If you want to keep hearing me yap, you got to hit those buttons. Otherwise, it's never going to get shared around. So please, hit those buttons. Throw a couple comments in. Share it around. It's MLK. How can people be mad at you for sharing MLK? Come on. It's going to be some good stuff. You're going to enjoy it. Please, and of course, always support my sponsor, Libertarianism.com. It's our sponsor's. Please support them. They're out there trying to get people to think about libertarianism, what it's about, what's going on, how, how you should be thinking about it. Ideas like happiness and freedom and pain and helpfulness, volunteerism, all those things, coercion, all the things that matter. Libertarianism.com. Click that link. Share it. Go there. You will enjoy it. It's awesome. And, of course, always like, comment, and share. Always. It matters so much. All right. Let me see if I can grab... Um, this one chunk of this believe it or not, is from Democracy Now. For those who don't know, Democracy Now is a very left show. They are 
I think they're on cable channels and also on YouTube. It's very left show. Um, and this is, and they actually had it for me to, to pick up. So I'm, I'm giving democracy now credit, which would drive some of you crazy, <laughs> but yes, they're very left show. Into the South until American forces had moved into the tens of thousands. And Nora remembers how our leaders refused to tell us the truth about the earlier North Vietnamese overtures for peace. Now, why do I bring this up? Because this is literally 50 years, more than 50 years ago. And he is giving a speech on how our leaders lied to us to get into war. Lied to us to get into the Vietnam War. He's bringing this up now. This is 1967, if I'm not mistaken, a year before he died, right? Before he was killed. So he's bringing up how the government lied to us about how to get into Vietnam and lied to us in Vietnam was saying, can we talk about peace? No. How the president claimed that none existed when they had clearly been made. Yep. Ho Chi Minh has watched as America has spoken of peace. Yep. And built up its forces. And now he has surely heard the increasing international rumors of American plans for an invasion of the North. He knows the bombing and shelling and mining we are doing a part of traditional pre-invasion strategy. Yep. Perhaps only his sense of humor and of irony can save him when he hears the most powerful nation of the world yes, speaking us. of aggression as it drops thousands of bombs on a poor, weak nation more than 8,000 miles away from its shores. You mean like Afghanistan? Literally, we did the same thing 40 years later. The same thing. Lied about peace, lied about everything, got us into another war. Same thing. Vietnam was 10 years, Afghanistan was 20. At this point, I should make it clear that while I have tried in these last few minutes to give a voice to the voiceless in Vietnam, but yep. to understand the arguments of those who are called enemy, yep. are I called am enemy. as deeply concerned about our own troops there as anything else. Our own troops. And for those who don't know the details, after his speech, if you count all the Americans, if, if we had decided, and of course we weren't going to, MLK was right. Let's get out of Vietnam. Let's end this. We would have saved about 40,000 American lives. 40,000. We lost about almost 60, about 58,000, if I'm not, if, if my numbers are right, about 58,000 um, Americans died in Vietnam. Hundreds of thousands wounded. But 58,000 died in Vietnam. Prior to this speech, about 18,000 already died. 40,000 more will die after this speech. He was right. And we didn't lose that many in Afghanistan and Iraq, but we still lost tons. About 8,000 total, I think, died. Is that right? Is my numbers about right? About 8,000 total dead and 25,000 wounded officially. More when you count all the other broken soldiers, sailors, Marines that, that came back. Or it occurs to me that what we are submitting them to in Vietnam mm -hmm. is not simply the brutalizing process that goes on in any war where armies face each other and seek to destroy. Yeah. We are adding cynicism to the process of death. Yes. For they must know after the short period there 
that none of the things we claim to be fighting for really involve. None of the things that we claim to be fighting for are really involved. He said this in 1967. We're still doing it. We'll be fighting Afghanistan for, for our freedoms. Is that what we did it for? No. Iraq, for our freedoms? No. No. So we punished our youth in Vietnam, and then we punished our youth again in Afghanistan? For what? Before long, they must know that their government has sent them into a struggle among Vietnamese. A struggle, uh, fighting in someone else's civil war. We did it in Afghanistan. We learned nothing from Vietnam. This man's telling us this 50 years ago. They're going to realize we're just fighting, uh, throwing them into a struggle among Vietnamese. Well, we did it among the Afghans. Same thing. And the more sophisticated surely realize that we are on the side of the wealthy yep. and the secure yes. while we create a hell for the poor. Yes. Somehow this madness must cease. But it doesn't, does it? Somehow this madness must cease, but it doesn't. It just keeps going. And you wonder why so many people are unhappy. We've been doing this for 50 years and learning nothing and not stopping. We must stop now. I speak as a child of God and brother to the suffering poor of Vietnam. I speak for those whose land is being laid waste, whose homes are being destroyed, whose culture is being subverted. I speak for the poor of America, who are paying the double price of smashed hopes at home. Yes. Death and... America, CIA. We don't have the CIA. Corruption in Vietnam. Corruption in Afghanistan. I speak as a citizen of the world. For the world as it stands aghast at the path we have taken. I speak as one who Mm -hmm. loves America. Yes. The leaders of our own nation. The great initiative in this war is ours. The initiative to stop it must be ours. We could stop it. Now, uh, there's more. We want to go on to more. But the point that I wanted to bring up here is how prescient was this? A year later, he would be dead. Now, he was talking about his I have a dream. I think it was years before. I forgot how many years. I dream 64, 63. I forgot. Uh, but it's I have a dream is years before. They didn't shoot him then. He starts saying this. You got to go. Because this is the real problem. This was the real issue. It wasn't about race. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. It was actually about class. That's what it was about. It was about the elites and authoritarianism doing exactly what they always do. Taking advantage of us and sending us to war. Let me grab a couple of comments before we keep going. Happy I'm okay. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Caroline. I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, Let's see. Uh, so they put a fact check on your MLK poster. Is that right? Jesus Christ. Is that? I didn't even realize that fact. It makes sense. Uh, the, the social media just wants to kick my ass all day long. Doesn't matter what I do. It's I just, yes. Please like, comment, share. It's the only way around it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Kellen says, yes, issues on race. Uh, he was a unifier. His views were on unifying, not dividing us. I agree. 
And so many people felt like or still feel like he's done some things. Look, he wasn't perfect, no doubt. But, yeah, um, he was trying his best to to unite us. Absolutely. Today, if you quote MLK, you get fact-checked. What a fucking joke. I'm sorry. I don't mean to swear, but wow, what a joke. What a what a joke. If if you work if you work for for like Facebook or or YouTube, if you work for them, don't you feel embarrassed a little bit? I mean, a little bit. Don't you feel like you feel a little bit embarrassed on how bad this is becoming? You're forcing you are in, in an attempt in a, in a failed attempt to make things fair, I guess. You're turning people away from your from from your your site. I I guess because they're so popular outside of America, they don't care. I mean, I guess that's true because they are very popular outside of America. Facebook is the number one outside of America, the number one um, uh, homepage uh, in the world. So maybe they don't care. Maybe they just don't. I don't know. So Shelley says King modeled the good side of Gandhi. I would agree. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So um, uh, Avi Larry, I saw you posted an MLK quote on your Facebook page today. Facebook bothered to fact check your quote and claimed that it was partially false. I wish it was a joke. I know it's just a quote. And yeah, so that making sure pedophiles don't use the platform for crimes against kids, they bothered to fetch a black liberation quoting, uh, libertarian quoting MLK. Yeah. I'll be a black, well, you're right. I'll be a black white supremacist soon. Absolutely. Yes. So, all right. Uh, let's see here. Um, Bob says, sadly, MLK will be saddened by this administration. You know, I'm going to walk down that road, Bob. Uh, and I, after this one, I want to cover this first, but I want to cover that too. I think you have a valid point. Um, I think you do have a, a valid point. Joe says, democracy now is just as bad as any others in national media, both left and right. I, I, Joe, don't, I knew somebody would be mad. I, they had this. I'm picking it because they had it. They were thinking the same way I was thinking. See, so sometimes broken clock even gets it right sometimes, Joe. And they got it right today. That's all. They got it right today. I always try to give people credit where credit is due. Sometimes they're right. In this case, they were. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Obviously, it's communist trash. Yes, they happen to be right this time. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Um, all right. Let's see here. Um, Charlie says, this this preaching side of Pastor King is my favorite part. He just tells the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. John says, uh, MOK died around the time when I was born. In my reading about his life, the thing I found most impressive of him was his courage. He would get multiple death threats daily. He never skipped a speech and he never won when it came to him. Okay. Agreed. He, uh, same, I was, I was uh, born the same year. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yes. All right. Um, Joe says, 40,000 more deaths f- to, to slow the sort of communism. Yeah. And the funny part about it, Joe, is we left Vietnam. We ran away. We, we lost Vietnam. So we lost Afghanistan in, seven, in 75. And 20 years later, they were a trading partner. And now, 40 years later, 50 years later, you can buy furniture from Vietnam now. You can you can get um, you know, iPhones made in Vietnam. I mean, you can just all kind of stuff. You can just get stuff done. Absolutely. Ed says MLK was a great man, unlike these low IQ Trump people who are so set on owning libs and keeping brown folk down. They they have uh lose the plot. They have loosed. I'm not sure I that may I'm not sure where you're going with that one, Ed. But yeah, look, you have the, the people who are trying to divide us by fighting the or owning the libs or fighting the right or whatever you're you're thinking you're doing, the more you fight, the more they fight back. The more they fight back. I, I'm with you. The more they fight back. So he says Vietnam vets were treated like crap when they returned. 
I hope we're never stupid enough to treat our troops the way we did it uh, ever again. I completely agree. It's why you hear me often when I say, if you know a Vietnam vet and you meet them, the phrase they love is, is welcome home. That's it. Welcome home. They love that phrase because they didn't get that when they came back. They were treated horribly. Don't get me wrong. We're not treating our current vets great either. But again, your point's valid, Shelly. Compared to Vietnam, oh, this is awesome. Compared to Vietnam. Our Vietnam vets were treated horribly. Terrible. I knew guys. I was in Marine Corps in the 80s. So most of my senior leadership was were Vietnam vets. Some of them got out and got back in because they didn't want to they didn't want to be outside in the civilian world. They'd rather be in the, in the Marine Corps. So most of my civilian my my senior leadership, most of them were Vietnam vets. I remember I had a, a master sergeant at three tours in Vietnam. So uh, a, a lot of I, I agree. I saw it uh, for all the time. I saw it. I, I heard the stories. I saw it. Absolutely. Yes. So. All right. Um, he says, with every invasion, the pe- people get told that U.S. troops are being sent to protect democracy and freedom. Please don't laugh too hard. Yes. Every time. Absolutely. Um, James says, I don't think the U.S. will ever learn. Yeah. Obviously, Vietnam was probably the stupidest war we ever participated in. Whether the Vietnamese want to be communist or not was not our business. We didn't need to waste the lives of Americans in a country where we were unwelcomed and where our liberty is not threatened. We are not the world police. We should set a good example for liberty and speak up for those that want it. But we don't need to thump our values on people who clearly don't want it. Agreed. I mean, people get upset about people get upset about um you know, Afghanistan. And I'm upset too. I don't want their kids and their women to be treated poorly. Of course, who would? I mean, what normal person would? Of course, you don't want that. But obviously, your point's a valid one. They have to adjust and shift their culture when and how they're ready to adjust and shift their culture. And if their culture is not ready to give women the rights that women deserve, who are we to force it on them? I mean, when we first started, we didn't give women the right to vote. When we started, our culture wasn't ready until the 1900s. That's when our culture was ready. It should have been earlier. It was wrong, it, but our culture wasn't going to change. It did. Eventually, Afghan culture will change. Eventually, v- Vietnam's culture will change. And they will change when they're ready, how it is, whatever the case may be. They'll, they'll make the shift the way they want to make the shift. That's really the issue. So John says, Malcolm X is greater than MLK. That's a tough call for me. I mean, I'm a Malcolm X fan. I am. And people will get mad when I say it, but I am. At the same time, I feel like MLK was. I feel like MLK made much more impact. While I agree with a lot of Malcolm X's concepts, his later concepts, specifically not Elvis's earlier ones um, of of being, you know, in in control of your own um, your life, uh, taking care of your own people, community, those ideas. I feel like MLK was just far more impactful, if that makes any sense. If you're asking me one-on-one, would I rather hang out with Malcolm X and MLK? I, I don't, it's a tough one. I think I think MLK's impact, though, John, far stronger than, than Malcolm X, even after the cool movie. Movie was awesome, by the way. Malcolm X movie was great. But I, I think the impact is just so much stronger. And also, it's a message that's open to far more people. And it gets people saying, you know what? Okay, I'm I'm all right with that, right? It's it's almost like you have to have a, it's almost like you have to have a Sinn Fein, and he's like the Sinn Fein, to no, 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 I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, Sinn Fein versus the uh, IRA. It's almost like Malcolm X with the IRA and, and MLK with Sinn Fein. It's, it's almost like that. Did I, is that right? I said it right, right? So yes, 
It's almost like that. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. So Sam says 100% with you, Larry. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Yes. All right, let me grab a, a, a couple more of these um, if I can. There's a little bit more on this one if I, if I could. I'll go a little bit further. There's a very important piece I want to bring up here. A very important piece. This is a message of the great Buddhist leaders of Vietnam. Recently, one of them wrote these words, and I quote, Each day the war goes on, the hatred increases yes. in the heart of the Vietnamese. Yes. And in the hearts of those of humanitarian instinct. Yes. The Americans are forcing even their friends into becoming their enemies. Forcing. It is curious that the Americans who calculate so carefully Mm -hmm. on the possibilities of military victory do not realize that in the process they're incurring deep psychological and political defeat. Yes. The image of America will never again be the image of revolution, freedom, and democracy. That's my problem. The image of violence and militarism. And that is the point that he brings up again. He brings up the idea that he wanted America to be the image of revolution, right? Of throwing off dictators, of throwing off communism, all these things, of, of throwing them away. But that because we become so authoritarian, so imperialistic, that in reality, we became the bad guys. I remember... Somebody was talking about, I forgot where I saw this. It was a, um, it was a Middle Eastern comic, maybe. Ooh, comic or commentator. And he said, when you go to the Middle East and they watch, you know, Star Wars and stuff, you know, they're like, yeah, yes, the rebels are awesome. And they see America as the empire. That's how they see it. They see us as we're, we're the stormtroopers. That's how they see us. And we see ourselves as the rebels because we fought the British. Well, as you've heard me say, if you pay attention to, to the show a lot, we've become our father. We've become the British Empire. We're now the empire. People are rebelling against us. Not the right look. And he brings us up 50 years ago. Quote, if we continue, there will be no doubt in my mind and in the mind of the world that we have no honorable intentions in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. If we do not stop our war against the people of Vietnam immediately, the world will be left with no other alternative mm-hmm. than to see this as some horrible, clumsy, and deadly game we have yes. decided to play. Yes. The world now demands a maturity of America that we may not be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. It demands that we admit that we have been wrong from the beginning of our we have to admit that we were wrong from the beginning. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Ventured in Vietnam, that we have been detrimental to the life of the Vietnamese people. Yes. The situation is one in which we must be ready to turn sharply from our present ways in order to atone for our sins and errors in Vietnam. We should mm-hmm. take the initiative in bringing a halt to this tragic war mm-hmm. and set a date that we will remove all foreign yes. troops from Vietnam in accordance with the 1954 Geneva Agreement. Just get out. We'll go Part away. of our ongoing... People are clapping at this. Just get out. I agree. Just get out. 
But there's a more important part here. Part of that he our ongoing up. commitment might well express itself in an offer to grant asylum to any Vietnamese who fears for his life under the new yes. regime, which included the Liberation Front. We didn't do that in Afghanistan, did we? We let the Afghanis that we supported, we let them just die in Afghanistan. We didn't learn even. He's saying, look, if we spend our time here, then at least the people who supported us, let's help them because they're going to be killed by the new regime. So they supported us. They backed us. Let's support them. And to be forward, we, we were pretty good in Vietnam. I'm, I mean, we made errors. But compared to Afghanistan, we were actually better with the Vietnamese coming. We had massive Vietnamese immigration uh, during and after the Vietnam War because of this, which, you know, I got to say, if you're going to allow mass immigration, it's a good reason. We screwed up. So we let them come here to save them because they would literally would have been murdered in their own country because of what we did. I'm okay with that. We should have done more of that in Afghanistan. We were worse to our troops when they came back from Vietnam than we were to the Vietnamese who came over here. We did the reverse this time. Better to our troops, worse to the Afghans. Then we must make what reparations we can for the damage we have done. We must provide the medical aid that is badly needed, making it available in this country if necessary. Meanwhile... Gotta fix the damage you made. Meanwhile, we in the churches and synagogues have a Trying continuing task while we urge our government to disengage itself from a disgraceful commitment. So let me move a little bit forward because he brings up a very important piece here. This critical piece. Against the war in Vietnam. Okay. I say we must enter that struggle, but I wish to go on now to say something even more disturbing. This part's harsh. The war in Vietnam is but a symptom of a far deeper malady within the American spirit. And we see it still happens. We ignore this sobering reality. See it happening now. And if we ignore this sobering reality... We will find ourselves organizing clergy and layman mm-hmm. concern committees for the next generation. Yes. They will be concerned about Guatemala and Peru. They will be concerned about Thailand and Cambodia. They Cambodia will be concerned used. about Mozambique and South Africa. We will be marching for these and a dozen other names and attending rallies without end. The, the issue he brings up is he thinks we're going to be going to war with all these countries right now. Again, he, he was wrong with all the countries, but the concept was true. He's like, if, if we don't stop this, this if this is not going to stop. We're going to be invading all these countries. And we did invade Cambodia and bomb, bomb Cambodia. That's true. And then what happened after that? Vietnam got our ass kicked for a while, but then we did Grenada and Panama. And then we did the first Gulf War. We did Kosovo. Then we did the second Gulf War. Then we did Afghanistan. He was right. If we don't end this idea of the military-industrial complex, it just keeps going. Well, there's a deeper piece here. Unless there is a significant and profound change in American life and policy. Fifty-some-odd years ago. Fifty-five years ago? Fifty-five years ago. 55 years ago, and he's on the money, and we've learned nothing. But there's a worse piece. So such thoughts take us beyond Vietnam, but not Mm -hmm. beyond our calling as sons of the living God. In 1957, 
A sensitive American official overseas said that it seemed to him that our nation was on the wrong side mm -hmm. of a world revolution. During the past 10 wrong years, side. we have seen emerge a pattern of suppression, yep. which has now justified the presence of U.S. military advisors in Venezuela. This suppression, though, the part that's gone worse is suppression wasn't just, at this point, overseas. We see suppression now. We see it here in our own country. And when you do that, things don't go well. The need to maintain social stability for our investments accounts for the counter-revolutionary action of American forces in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. It tells why American helicopters are being used against guerrillas in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. Why American napalm and Green Beret forces have already been active against rebels in Peru. It is with such activity in mind that the words of the late John F. Kennedy come back to haunt us. And listen to this here. This is, he's talking about, John F. Kennedy was shot, what, five years, three years, four years before this, four years before this, right? Yeah, four, three, three or four years before this was, the, was a speech he gave, JFK was shot. And he's saying, everywhere around the world right now, we're suppressing all the rebels. I thought we were the rebels, but we're spending the time suppressing all the rebels. Five years ago, he said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will mm -hmm. make violent revolution inevitable. Yes, if you don't let people make adjustments to their life, they go to war. Literally. Our own country was built on this. You guys, if you you know your history, we petitioned, we petitioned the King of England, make changes. We don't like this. It's taxation representation. Don't do this. He said, go to hell. I don't care about you. Colonists, shut up. He made peaceful revolution impossible. So we fought. That brought the violence. And then we do the same thing to others. Leave them alone. Let them have their own revolutions as they see fit. Canada became a country without war. We became a country with war. Both are the right answer. They did it their way. We did it ours. That's fine. And other nations across the world must become nations as as their people see fit. I hope with no war, that's awesome if it's true, but there might be war. We did it. We did it. Australia didn't need war. We did. Canada didn't need war. We did. It's fine. Whatever it is. India didn't need war. It's fine. You do what you think is appropriate for your people, your way. Increasingly by choice or by accident, mm -hmm. this is the role our nation has taken. Yes. The role of those who make peaceful revolution impossible. Yes. By refusing to give up the privileges and the pleasures that come from the immense profits of overseas investments. Mm -hmm. I am convinced that if we are to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values. We now, the problem is, when this happened, people called him a communist. They said, oh, this guy's a communist. Because the assumption was that MLK was against all capitalism. He wasn't. 
That's not true. He wasn't against all capitalism. He's going to explain what's happening now. What he wants, basically, in his perfect world is some type of conscientious, cons, conscientious and caring capitalism. That's what he actually wants. But watch what he says. We must rapidly begin. We must rapidly begin the shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society when machines and computers, profit motives and property rights. Machines and computers. He says that 55 years ago. Are considered more important than people. The job- See, he didn't say progress weren't important, but they're more important than people. I hope you don't believe that. People matter. All people matter. Iron triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism. Are- See, he, he says extreme materialism and militarism. What he actually means is the authoritarian the actual authoritarian of the United States that we were doing then and sadly are still doing now, and it's showing itself even more now. Are incapable of being conquered. A true revolution of values will soon cause us to question Mm -hmm. the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. Aren't we doing that now? Questioning the fairness of all our policies? On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. Mm -hmm. That will be only an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed Mm -hmm. so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. Mm -hmm. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It yep. comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. He's talking about changing the structure. And I want to ask you, where does he say white man bad? He doesn't. Where does he say everybody's racist? He doesn't. Now, did he deal with racism? Yes. Far worse than any of us today have dealt with. Literally far worse than any of us today, unless you're, you know, Unless you're in your 90s now, and maybe you're listening in your 90s, maybe you saw it if you were in your 90s, you saw it as bad as him. If you're not in your 90s, you didn't see it as bad as he did. You didn't. I didn't see it as bad as my dad did, right? And my dad, right now, if he was alive, he'd be in his late 80s. So, yes, my dad would be in his late 80s now. Um, if, if my, obviously, my father passed many years ago. But my dad would be in his late 80s now. So, if, if maybe, I would see what he saw. And he's not playing the race card. He's saying the system's bad. The sy- it's not about flipping a coin to a beggar. It's about getting rid of the edifice, changing the system that creates so many beggars. Well, you know what we have right now in America? A problem with homelessness. A system that does that. And you know what no one cares about when you're a beggar? Whether you're a man or a woman or if you're black or you're Hispanic or you're white or you're gay or you're straight. You're homeless. And that's a problem. And we should try to fix that. And it shouldn't be enough. Just give them money. He's saying, don't just give them money. He says, let's make a system to where this doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it's going to happen, but happens less at least. He's right. He's totally right. A true revolution of values will soon 
look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth mm -hmm. with righteous indignation, it will look across the seas mm -hmm. and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America mm -hmm. only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries. Now, he's talking literally. He says it. He says about the wealth gap. The wealth gap of, of, of very wealthy capitalists here in America who are sending money and investing overseas and taking the money and not helping anybody, either overseas or here. That's true. Is that what's happening? Government grift, along with billionaires, are doing exactly that. 55 years ago, he said this. And you see it happening now. And now people are angry. And here's the problem. We're angry at the other, whoever the other is. And we blame them for inequity. But what's the problem for inequity? Is, is what makes inequity so bad? It's government interference. That's the reality. The system itself, the government itself, is what makes so much inequity. And say this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of South America and say yep. this is not just. Yep. The Western arrogance of feeling that it has everything to teach others and nothing to learn from them is not just. A true revolution of values will lay hand on the world order and say of war. This way of settling differences is not just. War is this not right. business of burning human beings with napalm, yep. of filling our nation's homes with orphans and widows. Of filling our nation's homes with orphans and widows. That's, that's what he's saying. And this is 55 years ago. It's not just injecting poisonous drugs of hate into the veins of people's normally humane. Injecting poisonous drugs of hate into peep in the veins of people who are normally humane. Is this not today? Sending men home from dark and bloody battlefields, physically handicapped and psychologically deranged. Physically handicapped and psychologically deranged. It's, it's, it's Afghanistan, Iraq, yes. And not be reconciled with wisdom, justice, and love. A nation that continues year after year to decades, spend decades. more money on military defense than yes. on programs of social uplift is yes. approaching spiritual death. Well, I'd rather not be programs, but I get, I get his point, though. I get his point. The military industrial complex is too big. We differ on that, but it's fine. Still, the point's the point's to make. Points made. You can give on that program. It's fine. Points made. It's your day, brother. I'm not going to mess with you. Your day. America, the richest and most powerful nation in the world, can well lead the way in this revolution of values. Yep. That is nothing except a tragic death wish. But this is actually, believe it or not, this is what Reagan was talking about. I know you might think, Reagan and, and King, are you high, Larry? If you listen to Reagan's speech, he talks about values. He actually does. He actually brings up the value. Obviously, totally different you know, world in that regard. But the point is, it's about values. That's the point he was trying to make. To prevent us from reordering our priorities so that the pursuit of peace will take precedence 
over the pursuit Reagan of war. Bomb you, but it's fine. Dr. Martin Luther King, yes. April 4th, 1967, at yes. Riverside Church in New York. He was in New York. Explaining why he opposed the war in Vietnam. I want a speech beyond Vietnam. Hold on. Last Out of the wombs of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. Last piece here. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. Yep. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. They're trying we to get in up the West and move out. Must support sure. these revolutions. It is a sad fact that because of comfort, complacency, a morbid fear of communism. Look at this. Our- because he says he's people now across the world are seeing and what he means is everyone trying to get out, out of colonial colonialism. Right. For those of you who don't know the general history after World War Two, most of the large colonial uh, empires were falling apart. French Empire, British Empire, they were all falling apart. The German Empire had fallen apart um, uh, in World War One. Uh, but the, the the French and British and Japanese empires were all falling apart. Oh, we're already destroyed. The Japanese empire fell apart after 1945. The German, I mean, the French and the British empires were falling apart. So all these people were like, I want to be free now. Okay, great. Can we be free? Can we now have our revolution? Hey, America, you were a part of the British empire. You fought to become free. You're free. Hey, can you support us? We didn't do that. We went, no, no. Shut up, you backward people. Uh, we're going to follow our um, our allies from World War II, and we're going to make sure that you stay underneath their boot. No, we be- we became the British Empire as British Empire waned. Proneness to adjust to injustice. The Western nations that initiated so much of the revolutionary spirit yes. of the modern world yes. have now become the arch anti-revolutionaries. Yes. Yes. The Western world that was so much that started it for the rev- the revolution of democracy, of capitalism, of of so much stuff that's good in the world, have become the people who say no, no, no one may revolt, no revolution, no nothing. This has driven many to feel that only Marxism has a revolutionary spirit. Did you hear what he just said? It has driven most people to believe that only Marxism has a revolutionary spirit. I really want some of you who are hardcore anti-communist, hardcore anti-Marxist to get that. This was 55 years ago. And and MLK said, because of what we have become, the authoritarian state that America has become in the rest of the world, it has moved most people to believe at that, and he's saying it's not true. That's the funny part. He's saying it's not true. He is explaining, not, not agreeing, if that makes any sense. He's saying, because of what we've done, we're the ones who are supposed to be the rebels. We're supposed to be supporting democracy and revolution all over against dictatorships, against those things. But we didn't do that. And as we didn't do that, now everyone believes the only way you can do it is through Marxism. That's all that's left. We literally pushed people into communism because of our bad ideas. And it's happening in America now. Why do you think so many young people think that socialism is the answer? Because they're all stupid? No, they're all pretty smart. It's not because of that. 
It's because what we have done in our current society, our current our current plans, we've given them nothing. We've 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 shown them that our capitalism has become crony capitalism run by authoritarians. Our system is broken. Our democracy hardly functions anymore. So of course they think the only answer is Marxism. What else would it be? That's all they believe. He said this 55 years ago, and we are seeing it today. Therefore, communism is a judgment against our failure to make democracy real and follow through on the revolutions that we initiated. Yes, we started this and we fell down and we won't change and we won't go to libertarian ideals. And I'm going to give you something that you might, that's going to, for some of you, sound crazy. Ho Chi Minh, one of the most popular communists in the world. Well, uh, uh, for, you know, obviously dead, but was one of the most popular in the world. Wasn't actually necessarily a communist. If you know his story, he actually wasn't necessarily, he was, he was educated in the West. He was a nationalist. He wanted Vietnam to be free. That was his co- country. He loved his country. He loved Vietnam. He was Vietnamese. He wanted his country to be free. He was born in the 1800s, late 1800s. He knew Chinese occupation, Japanese occupation, French occupation, and then American occupation. That's all he knew was occupation from four separate imperial powers. That's all he knew. And he was like, no. So, of course, he went to the, after World War II, he went to America. He's like, guys, can we become free now? They're like, no. No. And he'd already, he was already impressed by what happened in Russia, right? When the communists took over the Tsar. He's like, oh, well, that worked. Okay, that's, I like that. You guys got to run together. The peasants got together. He saw his world, that he had a, a similar type of uh, demographic in his country. A lot of uneducated farmers, like the, like the Russians had. He's like, okay, this is demographic. I like, good idea. Good idea. But he didn't go to the Russians first for revolution. He went to America first. America said, no. He went, oh. I'll go back to the Russians. And the Russians were like, we got you. Yeah. Hardcore communist because of that. He was a nationalist. That's what he was. He wanted his nation to be free. And we said, no. He said, great. Guess I'm going to fight you. And I will use any means necessary. And I will go, I'll go to the Russians, the Chinese. Doesn't matter. I will use whoever I need to to fight you. And he won because it's his country and he should have won. Not because we should have lost, but because a Vietnamese person should have won in Vietnam. Because they're Vietnamese, they should win their own country, their own way. Anyway, I thought this was really telling for me. I thought you guys would enjoy this. Let me grab some more of these uh, comments. I do appreciate that. All right. All right. Um, Joe says, they're right sometimes, but damn, they're annoyingly bad 70% of the time. I know. Be good, guys. You gotta. I tell you all the time. I watch all the shows and I get all of it so I can understand, you know, what's going on so I can get what people are thinking. That's why. So, yes. All right. Um, Lon says, you know, your stuff is stuck on stupid when you get Larry Cousin alive. I know. Just drives me crazy. Yes. So anyway, um, Larry, as long as we need to, to live in the hyperpartisan world with and N M M S N B Yeehaw Democracy Now, CNN, NPR, Fox News, and Newsmax. Can we please get a libertarian TV channel? Uh, one day, maybe, yeah, maybe next year I'll start one. We'll see. I like it. Not a bad idea. I like that. Yes. So, all right. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Um, pride in the name, pride in the name of love by YouTube is somewhat MLK. The lyrics are spot on. The name of love, one man, come in the name of love, one man. 
he come and go. One man comes, he justify one man to overthrow in the name of love. I love that. It's nice. Yeah. I actually had that album. I know. Back when there was albums. You know, John, you're my age, you know. So, yes. All right. Um, Jeans is my first husband's Vietnam vet. So, you know, Gene. You know, is that what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Chip says, lad, this goes back to Woodrow Wilson making the world safe for democracy. You know, it's funny. I, Chip, I go back and forth between saying Woodrow Wilson and FDR. And the reason why I sometimes go FDR, not Woodrow Wilson, depends. I'm, I'm open to either of those being true. I really am. But I feel like there was almost still like a battle between Americans between FD, uh, Woodrow Wilson and FDR, like we were still not sure as Americans. By the time FDR hit, that was that was it, right? I mean, that's that was the massive change and the massive increase, I think. But I would go back to Woodrow Wilson. I would, if, but I hope you see my point. My point is, it. I don't. I don't see it, and I, I could be convinced otherwise. I don't see it as being so blatant until FDR. Then it's like, click. It's on. So, all righty. All right. Um, let's see here. Okay. Um, grab a couple more of these if I can. Um, obviously, as Larry Sharp, John Stiles, and Ron Paul, Three Mysterious of Liberty Media. Oh, I like those. That's good. I like those. Brian says, Vietnam was a proxy war during the Cold War. Afghanistan was against the government that we installed during the Cold War. Um, I would argue something else, Brian. Um. Vietnam was a proxy war during Cold War One. Afghanistan is is a is a cold, is a proxy war in Cold War Two. Cold War One, we won Cold War One. But the thing is, we we can win wars. It's possible. I mean, we usually lose them, but we can win wars. But we almost always lose the peace. I mean, that's almost. I mean, we almost always lose the peace. So there's some exceptions, but we usually lose the peace. So we won Cold War One. Cold War One, the Soviet Union, you know, the Russians were the were the senior partner, and the Chinese were the junior partner in that one, right? That's how that worked. And we fought mostly through espionage, right? That was the biggest deal. It was through, through espionage with the battle and the and the weapon of mass destruction that we that would hold us off was nuclear arms. Nuclear weapons was the the weapon of mass destruction, and America had a massive advantage in that. So we were kind of doing well, right, in that regard. Then we won Cold War One when the Soviet Union fell. And then soon Cold War Two began because we lost that war completely. I mean, we lost the peace by still pushing NATO and, and not, not realizing the war was over and still pushing terrible ideas. So now we have Cold War Two. Cold War Two, China's senior partner, Russia's senior partner. So they've swapped places, right? They're still both against us. This is still both China and Russia against us, right? Um, our allies from World War Two, both of them were allies of World War Two, both turned on us. During the first Cold War, that second Cold War. Now China's senior and Russia is junior. And the we're fighting mostly the markets, right? The 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 we're not fighting through espionage, the battle now is through markets. And China is winning that right now. And we're also the weapon of mass destruction is not nukes. No one's really thinking about nuking each other anymore. It's cyber, right? It'll be cyber uh d- devastation. That that is the 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 weapon of mass destruction in, in Cold War II, and we're losing on that one too. We had an advantage in Cold War One, disadvantage in cold in Cold War Two. So we fought Afghanistan during Cold War II, and we fought Vietnam during Cold War I. Uh, the, the Chinese were, were, were funding, funding uh, throwing money into Afghanistan. The Chinese didn't want us to leave. They're like, stay. Stay 20 more years. 
You keep throwing all your money and energy in Afghanistan. We'll build roads and bridges and airports and cities while you go ahead and throw your your youth away. You throw youth away in Afghanistan. We'll have our youth creating, um, you know, connections in Zimbabwe and Mozambique and South Africa. We'll do that while you throw your youth away in Afghanistan. That's what what we're doing. So, yes. Um, anyway, hope that was clear. So, um, Shelly says social media would silence MLK very quickly. Wow. That's a good point, Shelly. Couldn't get anywhere today, could he? Yeah. The truth is too radical for social media. Yes. Sam said Joe Biden said that George Floyd had a large impact on MLK. Wow. Is that true? Did he actually say that? God, I, I hope you've misquoted him somehow, Sam. I just hope you're wrong. Wow. Was he correct or was a lockdown and COVID hysteria finding a release valve? I can't. The death of George Floyd. Okay. There's two separate aspects. George Floyd was sadly wrong guy, wrong place for him and his family. That was terrible for him. I mean, I feel bad for his family. I feel bad. I mean, that his name is, is going to be synonymous with this for, for, for decades. But it was his death that had the impact. He had to die to have the impact. Terrible. I hate that, but I think that's what actually happened. His death was, and the impact was a spark that already did other things, right? Something was already happening. His was a spark. And it was the right place, right time when it came to the spark. Wrong place, wrong time for him personally. Right place, right time for the spark. George Floyd dies on video. And same time, we're all sitting at home watching Netflix doing nothing for months. Let's go out and protest. Should I have anything else to do? I'm not going to work tomorrow. Okay, let's go. I can spend nine days protesting, right? If I don't have to go to work the next day. But what if there was no COVID lockdowns? Right place, right time for protests. Wrong place, wrong time for George Floyd. Um, MLK was going to work no matter what. He was he he was right place, right time too because of television. Right, television made him um, and video made him bigger. But it was him doing stuff. In my view, I I can't see those two things being the same at all. Um, if anything, the George Floyd's death had impact, yes, but nowhere near as much as MLK. I don't think there's going to be a George Floyd day ever. There's ever going to happen. It's going to be like a, a holiday. I don't see that ever happening. No one's going to be quoting George Floyd like we quote MLK. I don't think it's ever going to be happening. And the sad part is many things that happen. I'm going to cover the next video if I can. George Floyd's uh, death made a lot of bad changes in America too. So I, I can't say that as true. I, I, I hope you have misquoted him. Uh, but I'm not saying you did. I just hope you have. So yes. Also Malcolm X fan. Me too. Absolutely. So. Uh, Dan says the concern about militarism sounds like the one modern politician who paid the most attention to Milk Jr. was Ron Paul. Yes, I would agree. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yes. Shelly says George Floyd and MLK were both murdered and both tried to bed themselves, but I don't see any of the similarities. I think I'm with you. I'm with you. I think those are the only two things that are the same. I don't see anything else. I, I agree. I I don't I don't see George Floyd as an MLK at all. I I don't see it at all. I don't. But look, I'm open to being, you know, convinced. But I I don't see it at all. So yes. All right. Um. Let's see here. Thomas says I have to work on MLK Day. Still at work, fighting COVID, loving Larry. Thank you. Liking, commenting, and sharing. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Yes. Absolutely. 
Yes. Uh, John says, Larry, my wife and I hosted a foreign exchange student that was from Vietnam. And she knew so much about MLK that it was so impressive. It made my knowledge of him embarrassing. Wow. Look at that. I, he's, he's a treasure. He's, he's a natural treasure. Look, he's far more socialist than I am. Far more. Far more. But he actually wasn't a communist. That's not true. That's, they say that to, to, to malign him because he, would, he admitted that a lot of capitalism had failed to become crony capitalism, become imperialism. It still is. Right. Most capitalism that we deal with today in America is crony capitalism. Not all, but most of it is. So that part's still true. So, yes, cronyism is is what's killing us. So he's he's still far more socialist than I am. But it doesn't he's still a treasure. Right. Gandhi was a most was more socialist than him. And Gandhi's a treasure. Gandhi was up against the empire, the British Empire, which supposedly was the most capitalist democratic empire in the world. And it was against him. Of course, you'd be a socialist. The people who are literally machine gunning down your people, literally on the street with machine guns, I would be anti them too. Whoever they were, I'm the opposite of you. So, yes. Let me, I'm going to find out the piece though, but you brought this up and I'll bring this up. This is his I Have a Dream speech everyone knows about. This one is much more, this was years before though. This one is much more popular. But, Think about what he says here. This is, of course, everyone knows this one. But let's see if I can grab this one here. Mm-hmm. Think about that. He is he is someone who they call the communist. He's someone that they maligned, yet he's quoting the Constitution. Right? Or finding documents. Sorry. Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's literally saying, I want people who were sons of slave owners and sons of slaves to sit down together. He's not saying, I want to punish you and your man, you're racist. No, he said, can we sit down together? We're in the same country and we're equal. Can we sit down? Can we do that? Is that something we could do? Mm-hmm. He's talking about Mississippi in the 60s. And he grew up there in the 50s. Nobody, nobody is going through that in America right now. Nobody is.
Yep. Mm-hmm. That's racism. He called the governor and the mayor down there racist. They were racist. That was racism. When you're calling people less than human, when they can't be around you, when you are stopping them from moving in their own life and achieving things, that's racism. And he lived that and he's like, I just want you to hold hands. Can we still hold hands? Can we still just talk? What have we done? What have we done? What have we done today where now everyone's based on just race? Where the idea of just judging them by the content of a character is not good enough anymore? Have we gone the opposite way? Now you say something that you don't like. Now you're racist. There is a difference between being insensitive and being racist. There's a difference between being an asshole and being racist. There's a difference. You can say things that are racist. You can do things that have racist outcomes. It doesn't mean that you specifically are an individual who's racist. And even if you are, and maybe you are, maybe you're listening and you're racist. It's possible. Me yelling at you doesn't make you not racist. Me calling you racist doesn't make you not racist. It doesn't work. That's not how it works. I don't go, you are a racist. And you go, damn it, you're right, I am, sorry, I'm no longer racist. That's not how that works. In fact, if you actually are a racist, and I yell at you and call you racist, you go, yeah, and you double down. This is the part that drives me crazy. (sighs) We're in a world where someone goes, I'm not a racist, and you attack them. If you're a racist, you're not mad at that. The only people who are okay being called racist are actual racist. So if you say you're racist, you go, yeah, I am. Oh, I guess I'll walk away. That's the racist. So when it goes, I'm not a racist, you go, no, yes, you are. Because if you even say you're not, you are. It blows my mind where we are going with this. And on MLK Day, we have gone too far in the opposite direction. We have to keep walking down the right road socially, and we've learned nothing, nothing when it comes to foreign policy and our cronyism. We've learned nothing when it comes to that. I started with the cronyism piece and with the the government piece because you can see that as a nation, we've learned nothing when it comes to that. But when it comes to race issues in America, I want to try to find the right way of saying this. Of course, we have a long way to go with race and gender, ethnic backgrounds. Of course we do. Of course we do. Is it better? 100% yes. Absolutely yes. And if you could imagine a friend of yours, a someone you care about or you love, they have very bad habits that you want to change. I don't know, they're they're smoking and they want to stop smoking and you want them to stop smoking, right? So you got a friend, his name is Jim and Jim smokes. And so he's been smoking and you don't want him to smoke and you hate that he smokes. He doesn't want to smoke. It sucks that he smokes. No one wants him to smoke. Okay, great, got it, good for you. In this case, he starts to try to quit. 
And what does he do? He doesn't smoke for a day. A day doesn't smoke. And then he smokes. And you go, what a piece of garbage you are, Jim. Oh, my God, you went a day. You couldn't go a day. You're the, nothing's changed with you, Jim. Wow. Wow. Is Jim ever going to quit smoking? And you supposedly love him? That's not going to work. Ruffy instead said, Jim, disappointed you smoked. But you don't want to smoke. I don't want you to smoke. I'm glad you went a day. Can you go two days next time, three days? Can you try something else? Can we, can we work on this together? Can me and you fix this? Jim might stop smoking. He might not. But he might stop smoking. If he wants to stop and you want him to stop and you love him, you should encourage him. Well, if there's someone who has some racist habits and you don't want them to have racist habits and they don't want to have racist habits, then you should encourage them. Calling them there, calling it out is stupid. It doesn't work. It is detrimental. Detrimental. If someone has racist habits in you or sexist habits, right? And to be forward, I am so guilty of that. It's taken me a long time to make some changes in my, for those of you who don't know, I was in the Marine Corps in the 80s and I was in the ground side. There were no women in the ground side in the 80s in the Marine Corps. It was only men. My language was so misogynistic and it was my first job. I did when I was 17. My language was misogynistic. And it was I wasn't trying to be that way. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in my heart going, I hate women. That wasn't what I was doing. It's what I learned. It's the way it was. It's a macho environment. And you attack people, insult people, motivate people by calling them things that are feminine. That's what you do, right? And you want to be macho and say macho words. I'm not going to say the things here, but that's what, if, if you're a military guy, you know what I'm talking about. That's what we would do constantly. So I got out of the Marine Corps after seven years. That's all I knew. I had bad habits. I wasn't trying to put down women at all. That was not my intent. But boy, some things came out of my mouth that shouldn't have come out of my mouth. And I had, and luckily, I had people who loved me, cared about me, and got me to not be that way anymore because I didn't want to be misogynistic in my language. I didn't feel it. It was terrible habits that I had. There are lots of people who are in no way racist. They're not, they have some bad habits happens they say things they shouldn't say i remember i remember i remember growing up and people um even as i got older i remember people using very anti-semitic language jewish stereotypes to attack other people and i thought are they actually anti-semitic they just have terrible habits it but because i I had many jewish friends live in new york you have jewish friends so it it bothered me like it would rub me the wrong way and i thought but i don't feel what bothered me more is I didn't like the, 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 the anti-Jewish comments, but I didn't feel the person was anti-Semitic. So it didn't make sense to me. So I would talk a little bit and say a little bit here or there, but not much, and I don't, I don't deal with it. But again, I'm an, and again, I'm an outsider. I'm not Jewish. So I'm an outsider, right? And I still felt awkward. I thought, what if I was Jewish? I would feel way worse, I assume, or maybe I'm used to, I don't know. Are Jewish people used to that? Maybe, maybe you just get used to it. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know where that, where that goes. There are certain things, black stereotypes, I just get used to. It doesn't bother me anymore to be forward with you. It doesn't anymore. Maybe Jewish people have the same thing. I don't know if you do or not. Um, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is there are two parts to this. When it comes to overall government, this country has learned almost nothing and we're making it worse. 
And now we're not only attacking others outside of our nation, we're attacking ourselves now. When it comes to race and ethnic background and, and, and female issues and gender issues, all of those things, men were getting better. Let's reward the good behavior, stop punishing the bad behavior, and let's move forward and let's do what MLK said. And let's sit down at the table and let's have those conversations and not sit there and point racist and scream racist to the other or sexist or ableist or insert your ist, right? You don't need to. It's, it's not required. You're not brave because you call out an ism. That's not brave. Brave, here's what bravery is. Actually confronting and talking to the person about the ism. That's brave. That's brave. Calling out the ism is virtue signaling and selfish. Confronting and discussing the ism, that's brave. Do that. Particularly if the ism is about you, right? Do that. When the ism is about you, do that. And if it's not about you, holy crap, even better. Even better. So let me grab a couple more of these if I can. Sorry. <laughs> Joe says, um, it's insanity. Voters keep electing warmongers for decades. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, let's see here. Dan says, I think the fact that Vietnam ended so badly for us, we didn't invade most of those other countries. Yeah. The problem is our humbling ended with Desert Storm. Yes, you're right, Dan. I, I, yep, I remember. Yep. Then we thought once again we could solve the world's problems with our military. Hopefully Afghanistan humbles us for a longer season. I, I hope like 100 years, but I doubt it. Yes. All right. Um, let's see if I can grab here. Jonathan says, my father had a friend who went to leave with U.S. troops but decided to save his family. They harrowingly escaped Vietnam. Wow. Wow, I'm glad. Good for him and his family. Nice. Shelly says, my cousins grew up in Venezuela. It didn't end well. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> uh, Gene says, I know, right? We used to think that Democrats were not warmongers. That's not true when you look back at how many U.S. bombs were dropped during Obama. Yes, versus Trump administration. Yes, how long was it before Biden dropped bombs? Oh, no, 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 no. The war hawks are whoever's in charge. They're all war hawks. To, to give Trump credit, he dropped less bombs than Obama. Obama was, was, I mean, it's in the name, Obama. It's in the name, so we should have known. He dropped the most bombs, without, without question. He dropped more than Bush. He dropped more than Trump. He was the bomber in chief, 100%. Obama was dropping bombs left and right, 100%. And he got, and Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, that's impressive. That's impressive, right? He could he could drop all those bombs more than Trump, more than Bush, and get a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it's impressive. Biden dropped bombs day one, day two, one or two. He bombed Syria like within the first week. So yeah, Biden was right on board. On board, he's like, "Oh, good, I'm in charge. Where's the bombs? <laughs> Where's the bombs? Let's drop some." Abs, one hundred percent. Yes, it is. It is. Democrats have a. Democrats have better anti-war rhetoric, particularly at the street level, right? The average Democrat that you talk to on the street, they have very good rhetoric. It just doesn't mean anything, though. But it sounds nice. It does. If you talk to Democrats, they're very, they, they sound good about caring and kumbaya. It does sound good. But that's all it is. It's only talk. It has no other value. So, yes. So... Pete says, anyone seeing Dan Rather's tweet about quoting Dr. King, basically saying only one political party can quote him. The others are basically racist. <laughs> oh, this is dangerous talk and Biden does it often. I got to tell you, Pete, I'm so 
disappointed in Biden for that. I really am. And I think others are too. I I didn't think he'd be this bad. I mean, I didn't think he'd be a good president. I did not. I wasn't fooling myself. I didn't think, he, I didn't think, yay, Biden won. Now we're saved. I did not think that at all. I just didn't think he'd be this bad. I thought he'd be much more of an empathetic, like regular bad Democrat. I, I did. I believe he'd be a another bad Democrat, whatever. That's what I thought. Man, um, even he's there now. I don't. I, is there any hope? I don't know. I don't know. I'm disappointed. Um, by the way, nobody owns King except the nation. He's a national treasure. So we all own him. All you two, Pete, we all own him. Biden does too. Biden owns him also. So is that rather. We all own him. He is, he's a national treasure. So yes. Um, Shelly says, Reverend MLK didn't condemn anyone to hell. He encouraged them to follow the truth because the Bible says truth will set you free. I like that. Tom says, I can listen to this all day long. Love that. Yes. So, Biden, you mean Jim Crocho? That's a good one, Avi. Yes, absolutely. All righty. Um, let's see here. Uh, James says, the truth is supposed to set people free, but apparently the truth just triggers people. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a valid point, Jim. It is. It's a valid point. Oh, James, I don't know if you go by Jim. I apologize if you don't go by Jim. James, it's a valid point. Um. It sometimes depends upon where that truth comes from. And you all know this, right? You know this, James. If if there's someone who you love and you care about and they tell you something true, you hear them because you feel like the person's telling you this because they want you to be better, right? Because let's say you did something stupid and maybe you did something dumb. And the person comes to you and says, James, we got to talk, man. That thing, I was dumb. You know, should have done this, should have done that. You might be a little little bothered, but you're not triggered because you you believe this person, you love this person, they love you, and they tell you that, and you go, you know what? All right, let me let me let me process this, right? Maybe I did screw up. Let me process this. But then it's somebody who you know doesn't like you or hates you or is mad and goes, I think you was stupid. Now you're like, go to hell. I, it was perfect. In fact, now I'm glad I did it. In fact, it was the smartest thing I ever did. So I that's true when you when it feels like the enemy is against you, right? When it's not the enemy, we need to stop being enemies. That's what it is. Everyone listening or watching, there's someone in your life, if not more than one person, but at least one person, who can say almost anything to you and you won't be angry. Because that's the person who you trust or you love or is on your side. And they can say almost anything. And you'll be like, all right, let's talk about this. That that didn't feel good, but okay. Let's have a conversation. And there's people who you think exactly the opposite about, and they say anything to you, and you're ready to fight. So I don't think it's the truth itself. I think it's the messenger. And we need to be better messengers. So uh, David says, India used civil disobedience. Yep. The march and assault works. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Gain worldwide attention. The UK would eventually have to give up their crown jewel of their colonies. 100%. Yes. That that part's great. And I, you know, let, thank you, David, for that. What do you think that MLK would think about the violent protests that we've had recently? The BLM riots, January 6th riot. What do you think he'd think about those? And I'll give you my opinion on this. I think he would explain them and not like them. Similar to what I did to be forward. I, I'm a big MLK fan. 
uh, Gandhi too, and Malcolm X. I like, I like, uh, and of course, you also can see uh, Frederick Fred Douglass also. So, like them all. But I think he would say he understands that people felt frustrated and thought they had no um, choice and did what they did. So, I think he'd explain it. I don't think he'd like it, though. If you look at like Gandhi, when there was violent protesting, Gandhi was always against it. He was like, stop it. No, we can't be violent, right? He did not want to affect Didn't he go on a, a couple hun- hunger strikes a couple times when there was violence? He's like, I'm going to go on a hunger strike. I'd rather just die. Excuse me. And he would just sit there and waste away until they stopped fighting. His, he, I, I'm going to misquote him, but it was something like he said, uh, I'm going to misquote him. You'll get the idea because I'm going to butcher it, but you'll get the idea. He was talking about um, if India, if I have to get ind- independent India through violence, then I don't want it. It's got to be through nonviolence. And that's what he believed. I think MLK was close to that, if not the same, but very close to that. I think he would have not liked the violent aspects, but I think he would have understood them both in, in both cases. I don't think he I don't think he would have gone nuts and acted like, you know, either of them was the end of the world, because neither of those were neither of them were. But I think he would have hated the violence, but I but understood it. And he would have tried to say, you know, stop, don't do the violent part, right? Do the rest, don't do the violent part. So yes. <laughs> Um, Avi says, I don't think it's an overstep. His opponents are claiming that as many schools still want to. Inf- oh, no, different piece. That's not for me. Sorry. So Roy says, U.S. was happy to have black Americans fight its wars and build its economy, without equal rights to share in the economy they built. Um, I don't like the, the broadness of that. And the reason why I said is if you look at so many of MLK's speeches, there were a lot of white people there, right? It wasn't just black people. There was a lot of white people there. I think white people were, were there too. And they were like, you know what? No, we're, we're not okay with that. In fact, many, most of the anti-war protesters were white. So a lot of white Americans were not about Vietnam. They're like, no, we don't want Vietnam at all. They didn't want to go. They didn't want, they didn't want, want black Americans. They didn't want anybody fighting uh, those wars. Uh, but I think there's a, a chunk of America to this day that believes that. There's a chunk of America to this day that is happy to send brown and black Americans to fight wars where they all die. But it isn't just black and brown Americans. It's white Americans too. It's Asian Americans. It's a bunch of Americans. Our volunteer force is filled with all different types of people. Um, so I guess my, my problem is even if these in sixties where there was far more racism than there is now to the open racism and violent racism. Um, I think that there were a chunk of Americans who, who were not okay with it. So were there some Americans? Yes. But I think there were a lot who were not that way. Just my view. So, all right. Um, let's see here. Joel says, Kathy Hochul, Kristen Gillibrand, and Chuck Schumer was, were so happy to be with Al Sharpton today to speak about MLK. Of course. Yes. <clears throat> with Jesse Jackson not being around as much, Al Sharpton is the new emperor of black people, I guess. I thought I was. I'm, I become the temporary one whenever I decide to. But I guess he's the emperor of black people, I guess. So, yes. So I'm, yeah, I'm, look, I'm not against talking about MLK. I'm not. I think it's a great thing. I think it's awesome. I, I should probably look and see what they say because it's probably embarrassing. Maybe I'll uh, talk, about, talk, talk about this in my show tomorrow. Maybe I'll do that. So, yes. I'm, you know what? I'm consider- Thank you, Joel. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to team, if you're watching, check this one out. We'll see if we can work on that one. Let's see if it's on YouTube. I'll see if I can grab it. So, yes. Um, Joe says, I was listening to a local political radio show today. 
had a black guest who grew up here in Daytona, talked about how laws were a little bit different for blacks versus whites. He couldn't arrest a white person. He had to get a white cop to arrest a white person. How the black water fountain didn't have cold water like the white one. Wow. That's racism. Yes, but even that, it's what MLK said. That's systemic, right? That's laws and rules and government. And the reason why, the, the most important piece about the, the South, I'm going to bring this up. When it comes to the South, segregation in the South actually proves that humans are naturally not racist. Like, what? Segregation in the South was so racist. It was. But segregation in the South proves that humans are not naturally racist. Again, I say it again. We are naturally tribal. That's absolutely true. But we will make tribes on many things. Race is only one asset. We could put tribes on where we live, things we like, all types of, of things we went through. We are very tribal, but not racist. They're two separate things. Why? If we would naturally be racist, why do you need a law? That's the point. They had to make laws. Government had to make us racist because if it didn't, we wouldn't be naturally. To Joe's point, you would. There are lots of people. If there wasn't laws saying this, they would just call a cop. Whether it was a white cop or a black cop, they wouldn't care. They would just do it. In fact, there wouldn't be any black cops in theory. If we were all racist, every cop would be white, right? But there were black cops. So, yeah, that was the whole point. You have to make a law. There's going to be somebody who says, I want to sell my cakes, so I'm going to let black people sit at my counter and eat cake because I want to sell my cakes. Someone's going to do that. So you have to pass a law so that he can't do that because he would. Black and white people will get married because people fall in love with who they fall in love with. So you got to make a law to make sure they can't get married, right? That's the whole point. The, the segregation in the South is proof that humans are not naturally racist. We are naturally tribal. Different issue. It takes government and overriding systems to make us racist. So logic says those in government basically treat grifting as prerequisite to being a politician. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, as a reverend, MLK would have defrocked Al Sharpton. <laughs> that's funny. I like that. So question, I say this sometimes, is it accurate to say MLK was a commie? I never understood why some people seemed to think he was a commie. And he never did research on that. I don't think he was an open communist um, at all. I think he was, people called him that because he was anti-American government. I think that's true. He was no libertarian. I, I am not trying to make MLK libertarian. He was not libertarian. No, not libertarian. I, don't, I do not want to play that game. Malcolm X, much closer to libertarian. Way closer than MLK. So MLK was not libertarian. However, he was not a communist. He just wanted the system to work for everybody to include black people. That's what MLK actually wanted. He didn't want us to become communist. He wanted us to have a system that would work. Well, in fact, you heard him say it. He said, because we're not doing what we're supposed to do, because we're not supporting others, because we're not democracy isn't working for everybody, they believe that the only way that this revolution is through Marxism. So saying that he was like, oh, well, now you're a communist. No, he's saying that that's not true, that it was a 
it was the Democrats. It was the small D Democrats, Democrat, Democrats in, in, in the world. It was the it was the capitalists in the world who were making the revolutions happen. And now they got theirs. And they're like, well, no one else gets to have it. Sorry. So now it looks like Marxism is the only way to have revolution. So, yes. So um, let's see here. Um, Phoenix says it's a little depressing to see that the problems he identified all with us today. I know that was the point. Yes, absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. Matthew says those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And those who do not remember their past are condemned to repeat their mistakes. Yes, absolutely. Again and again and again. Yes. Um, let's see here. Jonathan says, but the people who support socialism are the same people who call people like libertarians racist and call for more government. How do we work with people so implacable? You're right, Jonathan. It is a serious problem that I'm working on. I don't want to fight them. I want to turn them. That's what I want. I don't want them all to be like, you guys suck. I want them to actually feel like they can join us. And it's not easy at all. It is a hard thing. I think we keep talking. We keep having conversations. And hopefully some of those people who are supporting socialism realize neither the two parties are going to give them what they want. They're not going to get anything. They're just not. The two parties, they're corporatists. That's what they are. That's how it works. So, Avi says, Woodrow Wilson was one of the worst presidents we ever had. He was a member of the KKK, created the Federal Reserve, got us in World War I, and created an income tax. If someone says they like Woodrow Wilson, they cannot be libertarian. This is true. Um, the question that we brought up, though, was where, what do I, where do I say it expanded? Is, is Woodrow Wilson the one-off or the beginning? And my point was, I think after Woodrow Wilson, you get, you get a little bit of back and forth, right? You get a Calvin Coolidge, you get a little bit of back and forth, and then you get FDR, explodes. So I'm okay saying Woodrow Wilson. I'm also okay saying FDR as like the real beginning of this imperial presidency. That makes any sense. I'd buy either one of them. I just see that. I think there was a fight before. Once FDR comes, they're all in, they're all the same at that point. Then they're all the same. So yes. All right. Um, uh, Paul says best MLK show I've seen in a few years. Most networks tend to turn his legacy into partisan hack fest. Yes, I was trying to do that. Thank you, Paul. I was trying to do something different. I was trying to. Thank you for noticing. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, China's winning big time. China is winning, but China's also in trouble too. But yes, right now they're winning. That's correct. Yes. Um, obviously, the only advantage we have over China is because their whole business model is based on devaluing the currency, pressing the people, which allows the dollar to remain the world's reserve currency. That, that's a big advantage we have. I agree. Um, but also, it's China is a big grift nation. It's just one massive grift. Um, it's centralized control. That always eventually collapses. So they'll, I, if they're savvy, they'll begin to release control. The Swedes did that, right? The Swedes are very savvy in that regard. Um, if the Chinese do it, they'll be okay. If not, they're going to struggle horribly. David says they will probably be a George Floyd day in about 20 years as Democrats get their way. God, I hope you're wrong. I, 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 I hope you're wrong. Then it says someone mentioned the TV station. The team is working on getting a Roku channel set up. There we go. There are tech issues now, but you can add a channel and watch when that's resolved, maybe in a couple of months. See that? Yes, we will be getting a channel on Roku. We will be getting a channel on Roku. So, yes. So. Oh, did you guys not hear the speech? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Just captions only. God, I screwed that up, didn't I? I apologize. It was I have a dream speech. I went and taught the whole thing. I, I, sorry about that, guys. I, I didn't realize. So all no sound. I apologize. I screwed this up. Yes. But you guys know it was it was, it was I have a dream speech. Um, but most of you've heard it. I guess I got to run it real fast. It's only a couple seconds. Let me see if I can grab this one real fast. Um, I think you guys know the speech. It is it is a a common one. It is a very popular one. Let me grab it real fast. I apologize. No sound. I do sometimes screw this up. That one day. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. As I said, he's quoting our founding documents. It's not a communist. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I- slaves and slave owners, sons of both, sitting down talking. He's not talking about retribution. He's talking about conversation. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of Injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, mm-hmm. be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. Come on, Mississippi, in the 50s and 60s. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have- yes. Not, we've gone the opposite, haven't we? Now everyone's talking about color of skin and not content of character, right? Everything's skin first now. And he talked about Mississippi. And he's not saying retribution. He's saying sitting down. in Georgia, this is real racism. This is stopping people from surviving. It's lynching people. This is hardcore stuff. And he's lived through this. And he goes, I don't want retribution. I just want to be able to hold hands. Can we just hold hands? That's what he's asking. see it together that's we can all see together where is the you owe me we gotta fight make I, I don't see that I don't see that I don't see that and 
that's what I love, right? I apologize for not having sound before, guys. I'm sorry. I screw up sometimes. I do apologize. Yes. So in any case, this is a part that I think is is critically important. This is why I went down that that road of of do we want people to be punished for things they didn't do or for trying to get better? I think no. Yes. Roy says some habits are racist, anti-Semitic, but no point name calling. Um, better to engage and explain that some habits limit the freedom we're all trying to build. Most isms are a result of intellectual laziness of not treating people as individuals. I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think about, when I think about my, I remember one time, it's a, a story. My friend and I, when I was, um, was a teenager, young, no, I wasn't a teenager, younger, before my father died. Um, I was hanging out with him. And we were doing stupid stuff as kids do. Probably was 12, 11. And someone got mad at us for some reason. And one of the guys was black. And he, and my friend said, you know, what are you looking at? And then he used, he used the N-word. And I looked at him. And he just looked at me and he went, he was like, Larry, I'm so sorry. It's just, it's just what I, what I said. It's just, it's just, it just came out. And I thought to myself then, that was just a horrible, he was trying to be a jerk and he was trying to hurt the guy. Was he racist? Maybe. And maybe not. But either way, to your point, Roy, if I had called him a name and never talked to him again, would it have made him less racist? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I still remember that. I was like, did you just say that? I, could, I was so shocked that he said it. That I didn't even act. I didn't have. I didn't have time to say anything before he reacted. Because once he said it, he then realized what he had said, and then started saying, "Sorry, I up, 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 up. And I never chance to say anything. And I just kind of went, "All right," <laughs> I didn't have to say. And and I and I feel like a part of him was just the habits that he grew up with. I don't know, but as I see your point, I'm. Yelling at him wasn't going to help. Chatting with him, talking with him, being his friend did help, right? That that actually did help. So yes. So, all right. Um, lots of Obama. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Yes. All right. That's just some stuff I thought you might might think was pretty funny. I do appreciate that. So yes. All right. Um, let's go down here if I could. Uh, Joel says Oprah said generations of people, older people who are born and bred and married in prejudice and racism, and they just have to die. Meaning we're getting better every generation. I mean, there's some truth to that, but I don't want, that's not the right way of looking at people who are older. I'm getting older now. I don't want to just go, well, you know, Larry's part of the old crew. Just let him die. I mean, this is the issue. Were there some people who were marinated in prejudice and racism? Yes, that's true. They just have to die. No, no. Can't we just become less racist? Isn't that still a, a, a piece, a, a thing we can do? Isn't it? Can't we? Can't we all become less racist, less misogynistic, less anti-Semitic? Can't we all become all of that stuff? I mean, I I still remember growing up, and I guess one of the reasons why a lot of the anti-Semitic stuff didn't didn't necessarily 
shock me. It bothered me, but it didn't shock me. It's because when I was growing up, there were a lot, because there were Jewish kids in, in my school, there were kids who got mad at Jewish kids and said Jewish slurs because kids say slurs, right? They said racial slurs, Jewish slurs. They said them. So I'd heard the slurs before. I'd heard the stereotypes before because we grew up in a very mixed uh, high school. And so, of course, you're mad at some Italian kid, you call him some Italian slur. You're mad at some Jewish kid, you call him a Jewish slur because that's what stupid kids do. So it wasn't like I was shocked by it. It just bothered me because I, in my mind, I was like, we're not kids anymore, right? Like, don't you stop, right? Don't you at one point realize? And, but again, if you're marinated in it, maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you don't. So, yeah, maybe you don't. Yes. All right. Um, Avi says, government doesn't create inequality. It creates equality by making everyone they rule equally miserable. No, that's socialism, Avi. When it comes, to, when it come, when it came to the, when it came to the the segregation of the South, it was literally making people unequal. Right? It was literally, literally doing it because, again, my point is, I think people would have brought people into their world. We just do it. We just bring people into our worlds. Is what we do. Um, we don't. As long as we believe they're part of our tribe, whatever tribe we decide, I think we bring people in. So, I don't know. Lodge says, I agree. I never agree with his sentiment that MLK was a communist. Doesn't make sense. Right. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Um, let's grab this. Shelly says, I was skiing with a black man who happens to have a PhD, and the guy wouldn't let us on the lift saying they don't accept food stamps. Wow. I wanted to knock the bigot out of my friend, but my friend stopped me. <laughs> See, that was my point, Shelly. And, and again, I'm not Jewish, so maybe it's not a Jewish thing. But I know when being black, there are certain things you just kind of go, yeah, got it, happened again. I'm sure women have the same thing with certain sexist things that happen. And women go, yeah, okay, again, I know, fine. Right? I'm, I'm sure at one point you just do that. So I'm assuming that Jewish people have the same thing at one point. You go, I know, God, another, another Jewish stereotype, damn it. I'm assuming you do that if you're Jewish. I don't know. But I know as a black person, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Yes. So, all right. <laughs> a lot of cool stuff. I appreciate that. Let me see if I can go to some of the other ones I think I may have missed here. Um, let's see if I missed anyone else here. Um, David says, well, what we do now is call people who aren't like us racist, block them on social media sites, and think we won the debate. Wow. David, you're right. Yeah. We just call them the, the, the ist, whatever the ist is, often racist, but any other ist will do. We call them an ist, block them so that now they will never know whoever we are, whatever we think, and then we won the debate, realizing that we've just made whoever – Whoever the, the the person is, we've just made them more isty. Whatever is the ist that we tried, yeah, we become more isty. It's terrible. Ouch, ouch. Well, guys, uh, again, I'm sorry. I, I should say it again. I've been saying it. Like, comment, share, please, guys. Not just that. Libertarianism.com. It, they are the sponsor of our show. I hope this is an interesting show for you um, on this awesome MLK Day. I wanted to make it different. And I know some of you, it was different. I apologize for the sound issue that we had earlier. Hope it was an interesting show. Um, I'm going to let you guys run. Please like, comment, share, support libertarianism.com to support the show. And I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, A free solution noon tomorrow.